Hello, and welcome to Evander Bros, your weekly podcast for biblical literacy, discipleship, and historical-slash-cultural context. I'm your host, George Benson, uh, and I just want to do a couple housekeeping things really quick. Number one, um, I realized we did not have an episode last week. I probably could or should have put something up, uh, but the truth is I'm in the middle of some pretty serious crap right now. Uh, there's a lot going on. And um, my attention, at least for last week, this week, and maybe next week, needs to be somewhere else. While Don and I absolutely love your listenership and the questions and just how great our, our audience is, um, there's just uh, there's a lot going on right now. And unfortunately, um, there's not going to be another new episode this week either. Uh, but instead, what we're doing is re-releasing an older one. Um, we've got a nice backlog of episodes, and every now and again, we'll, you know, when we find ourselves in this situation, uh, we'll we'll release one of them. So, without further ado, here is a simpler time, a time when Don wasn't on sabbatical, and. I may or may not have prepared for the episode, <laughs> but uh, yeah, either way, I uh, just wanted to kind of let you all know what's going on because we've had a jump in our listenership and I do apologize that if you just started listening, that this is when you started, um, you know, so, uh, so yeah, thanks. Have a great week, everyone. Hello and welcome to Evander Bros, your weekly podcast about biblical literacy, discipleship, and historical slash cultural context. I'm your co-host, George Benson. I'm your other co-host, Don Schieber. And today, we're going to talk about something we haven't uh, talked about yet on the show, which is End Times, or Judgment Day. Yeah, I, I think that for me, End Times encompasses way more than just Judgment Day, and so we're probably going to like leave some of those latter conversations for uh, maybe another time uh, or another predicted rapture date or something but uh, specifically uh, what I what I'm interested in us talking about is what what is the day of judgment the text uh, talks about this idea that there will be a time when God returns when Jesus returns and we will all be judged so I think that that's an interesting discussion because my experience has been that the more a church or a more an individual becomes or moves towards a more progressive reading of the text, a more progressive expression of their faith, the less often they actually speak about Judgment Day. Yeah, or, or think about it. Right. Like, yeah. I can't think of a church I've been in that would... And, and let's... I just want to be clear. I, I really don't like the term progressive Christianity. I just lack another term for it. To me, it's Christianity. Uh, I realize that we're trying to differentiate one group from another, so that's the easiest way to do it. But I think progressive Christianity is uh, an unfortunate uh, tagline that is now probably stuck. Although, uh, what was it that it used to be? Um, if you lit candles and stuff, what would they call that? Um, oh, what was that? Uh, the only thing that comes to mind is liturgical. No, 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 no. Not liturgical. Like if you were kind of like doing the house church thing where you lit candles and stuff, you were... Um, oh, uh, emergent? Emergent, yes. <laughs> yes, you were emergent. Are uh, you an emergent uh, church? Um, because emergent churches were bad. Emerging, emerging churches were good? According to the more conservative end? I have no idea what you're talking about. Never mind. No, that's fine. I, I, I'm happy to be... Educated. No, I'm trying to remember. There were two schools that, like, the words were almost the same. Okay. They were only off by a few letters. One meant that you were a heretic. One meant that you were not. All I know is that people used to ask if, if what I did was an emergent church. And I guess in the same way that I rebelled against that term, I'm rebelling against progressivism. So, Fair enough. anyhow, 
if you i haven't been in a church that would identify or be labeled progressive and heard anyone speak about this idea of the day of judgment and i think it's because um there's so many so much baggage and stuff attached to it yeah like you say day of judgment one of the things that always comes to mind and there are very few things that can like trigger me in christian like with christian terms day of judgment is one of them why is that because all i remember is the chick track Um, what track john chick i have no idea what you're talking about tracks you know the tracks that people hand out to you yes they're called chick tracks okay uh and i received one when i was in high school uh because i went to what i thought was a haunted house uh it was a hell house it was a hell house oh my god yeah uh We'll save that for a Halloween episode. So, um, at the very end, I was handed a, a, a track, and it was about the Day of Judgment. And it was God sitting in a throne on earth, showing, like, this is, it was, this is your life. Uh, and I'm showing all of my sin and all of, the, all of the stupid shit that I've done that was unrepentant uh, on giant screens for everybody in the world to see wow while i stand there and get judged i'm distressed just listening to this oh so so bad so and and i that was talked about uh this last week in uh in one of my classes the day of judgment uh yeah how we will all stand before god one day and have to uh address our sins so how so since you're you're so close to uh, a community of people that um, live and dwell in that space, like how would you either actually how have you heard them describe it or how would you imagine them describe, define, explain this day of judgment? I have in similar in a similar way that I just described. Okay. Um, specifically. Like they would talk about unrepentant sin or continuing to sin, knowing it's a sin. Um, man, when I was in the Navy, I had a chaplain tell me how uh, if I continue to sin, knowing it's a sin, when I get to heaven, I will have a little bit of smoke around me because we will all go through a purifying fire. Well, after we die. so you know, in all fairness, that's closer to some of the Jewish mindset than than christian mindset that uh i think there's a jewish vein of thought that says that after you die you will go through 12 months of extreme heat and 12 months of extreme cold uh and at which point you will have the opportunity to rectify your ways Hmm. um and don't quote me on that and any jewish any jewish listener uh would probably be able to uh, tell me where that's flawed, but it is something similar to that. And it's kind of like a temporary holding place for you to get right before you go into heaven. So in some ways, your chaplain uh, in the Navy at least gave room that even if you, you know, mess up on this earth and this life, that there'll be some way to rectify that in the world to come. Yeah, I am. yeah so please go on no so if you could actually you i would start to ask you about like um can you think of anything else that people would add to this descriptor um uh that if your name was not in the book of life then you would be tossed into the pit of fire so this so either in your experience or in what you've heard in your classroom conversations do they fear the day of judgment I don't know. Um, I would say that their language probably doesn't, but it's hard to say. So maybe like, like maybe they have you know they withhold some concerns and anxiety about it, but yeah. they would say because this is where have you ever seen? They're like some old cheesy videos where like. Uh, someone gets up and God's going to throw the book at them and then Jesus like steps in and takes their place in defending them before God on the day of judgment. Yes. And it's like, you know, I forget who made the video. I think I want to say it was a music video 
from a Christian artist. Well, if any of this uh, sounds familiar, dear listener, please find it and tag us in it. Tag George. Tag tag Adventure Bros. No, no, don't. Yeah, no. no, just do it. No. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, so, but that's that's one of the other ways that I've I've heard it. Right, that um, that on the day of judgment, Jesus will take our place there and defend us like jesus will jesus's character jesus's person will like he'll be our lawyer yeah he'll be he'll be our uh, court court appointed attorney or right. our public defender right uh and so that's another picture that i've i've heard with i've this. forgotten all about that one that is when i was a, still a, a baby christian that was what the, that was the idea that was floating around that church right um which is fascinating to me, right? Like that if that in some way Jesus is going to trick the system uh-huh. and Jesus is going to uh, subvert justice and get you off when a loophole is such a profound and funny picture to me about the integrity that we then approach to uh, apply to Jesus, right? Um, well, I think if you... if Oh, yeah okay I was just thinking like the train of thought that I can see with that is when all of Christian all, if your only version of Christianity is that I'm saved from all of my sins because Jesus died on the cross and rose again for them right yes wait what are you saying yes to you said right I was agreeing that yeah that you're right yeah okay <laughs> What else would I agree to? <laughs> so, so what's interesting to me then is that this view of of the day of judgment. One, there's passages throughout the text that talk about the idea that uh, even as believers, we will be judged for what we've done, which I never hear talked about. Right, like I never hear anyone talking about that. As Christians, we too are going to be judged for the things that we've done. Yeah, and I think we went into that a little bit last week. Maybe my my memory is not that good. Uh, so, so George, what do you? How do you think that would be interpreted by your class, right? Like, uh, or in your past, in if someone were to say to you, George, you're going to be judged by what you've done. Uh, even as a Christian, what? How do you? How would you internalize that? Um, I don't know. I think that members of my class might push back on that by saying that maybe, Jesus was misunderstood. <laughs> no, no, maybe not even push back, but maybe like co-opt it and saying, "Yes, we will be judged because we recognized him as Messiah, and so we will be judged correctly." weird so but that's a guess sure so for me when i imagine when i project on uh people because that's all i can do at this point because this doesn't resonate with me um is i don't think anyone interprets that positively i would agree so but you just gave it a positive spin which kind of surprised me and took some of the wind out of my sail because i think most people would be like shit like you mean to tell me that I'm like when we hear the phrase "you will be judged by what you've done," we automatically, I think, people that hold that fear of the judgment day will automatically go to, "I'll be judged for the things I've done wrong." Um, yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that it's it's hard not to immediately jump to that though. But I'm saying that's our baggage, right? Like that's, like where does it say that? Does it say that you'll be judged for all the things you've done wrong? Or you will just be judged for all that you have done. I yeah, I, I can't name anything, but this is the first. I've never, I've never been presented with the idea that this might be a good thing. Think about it. Like, um, if you're being a movie is being judged for best picture. Uh huh. Like, so they go and they are like it had beautiful cinematography the acting was elite uh the production the post-production the the script the script whatever it is they judge all of those things and it wins best award well if that were the case then black clarenceman would have actually won this year i have no idea what you're talking about but it doesn't matter so 
so but this idea of, of judging positively we have done such a bang-up job of attaching negativity and condemnation with judgment that it doesn't cross our mind so like i said you kind of surprised me when you you made it out that they would be, take a positive spin on it because i don't know that most people would again that was projection i have no clue sure yeah um but i'm i'm curious and, and this is where maybe listeners can even chime in with us i i was i was willing to bet my house i rent so it wouldn't have got you very far that the answer to that would have been like well then thank goodness i have jesus right as opposed to like uh, any kind of positive response to that. So let's take it and go, okay, if we're going to be judged by what we've done, we can either hear that in a negative way or we can hear that in a positive way. That someday I'll stand before the Lord and God will take a, a look at my life and say, Don, you, you did this um, with, you know, you were you experienced these things, and yet you still prevailed by doing this. Uh, you you made this mistake, but you you made a great comeback, and you did this right. Like I could show how judging someone could be positive, right? Um, and I think that that's important. This is another thing, right? Where it says you shall not judge another person. Like it also means, in some ways, positive, right? Like. Um, that it's not our job to declare someone to be good, right? When they say to Jesus, good teacher, and he's like, there's only one that is good. Um, oh, man. Right? And so, like, it's not even our job to do those things. Now, I want to be careful here because that's different than giving someone a compliment, uh, admiring someone, someone looking up to it. But talking about a person as in you are good, like through and through, is not our our role to make it's not our call sure you know you were saying that um you know the how judging could be the the state of judgment could be a positive thing Mm -hmm. and the thing i had never thought about this in this manner um usually it was like a oh i need to be more gracious type of thought uh but the measure in which you judge someone you will also be judged by correct Never thought that was positive until now. Absolutely, it's positive. It's it's absolutely 100% positive, right? Because if all of a sudden the way that we engage other people, the, the level to which we uh, acknowledge a person's uh, positive attributes, we, we acknowledge a person's uh, striving towards bettering themselves, we acknowledge like all of those things that we do uh, are also the same ways that we will encounter God. Um, and so if I am showing mercy and grace and compassion and empathy, yeah, and that's how I encounter the person, that is also how God will encounter me. Yeah, I, yeah, I've never, I've never heard it presented that way. Or I should say, I cannot remember a time mm. when I heard it presented that way. So then, so let's, let's take that, right? So let's, you know, bottle up that goodness. Okay. Um, and how do you think that we can, if, if the day of judgment is the day that God judges us, then how can we flip that idea from what it's often been taught as fire and brimstone and fear of hell? Um... How can we flip? Oh, I mean, I think you just did. So if we if we look at the standards of which we, you know, like I, I remember times where my dad, when I was growing up, uh, would sit me down and say, hey, look, I've seen you change from, like, I've seen noticeable change or counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think back when I was in counseling, how my last session uh, with that particular counselor, he kind of walked me through where I was at mm. and how far I'd come and the positive change yeah. that I had made through that. Yeah. Well, I, actually, I'd like to share a counseling story of my own on this, right? Um, that I think is pertinent. Uh, so this is just between me, you, and our listeners. So this is not public information. 
Okay, um, we'll keep it quiet. Yeah, we'll keep it quiet. So, uh, I was in counseling, and I've struggled with pornography for most of my life. Yeah. Um, when I, you say, yeah, like you know. No, well, <laughs> you and I have talked about this because yes. I shared that struggle with right. you very early on. So, um, so I struggled with pornography for a huge chunk of my life. It began around the age of 12. My grandfather, who was like a father figure to me, committed suicide. Um, I had a very unhealthy relationship and still do with my parents. Uh, and so uh, I, this is back in the day where you had to find porn in the woods. Yeah, because or behind were, a dumpster. Or behind a dumpster or in a dumpster, wherever you might... Exp- yeah, anyhow, you had to physically stumble across it out in the wild, quite literally. And so playing in the woods, I, I came across some pornography. And I just... It, it sucked me in, so to speak, right? Um, and I lived, because I grew up in a conservative Christian household, I lived with guilt and shame and everything else. And I grew up thinking I was a pervert and that God hated me and all of this. Right? Well, the day of judgment of that finally coming out would be terrifying. Like the, the, sure. the anxiety... That that could cause. Yeah, well, I'm grateful I didn't have the chick track that you did because I didn't <laughs> imagine that it was going to be broadcast to everyone. Uh, and that's why I'm kind of keeping it quiet here right now and just between yeah, us. No, and, fair. Um, because I'm embarrassed about this. But when I went to a counselor in my mid-late 30s and I was talking to the counselor about this, he said something to me and it's the most God thing I've ever experienced and probably the closest I've ever gotten to understand what Judaism imagines about the, the Day of Judgment, which is when God sets all things right, is how they understood it. Like the Day of Judgment is the day that God takes everything and sets it right. Much different feel. Yeah. So my counselor says to me, well, Don, that makes sense that pornography became something uh, in your life. He's like, your life you lost your, your grandfather who you were close to. You weren't close to your parents. So you, your body, your mind, your soul, everything was seeking intimacy. And though pornography is a pseudo intimacy, it at least felt like intimacy. And he's like, so no wonder you were drawn to that. It makes sense. And he's like, as a child, of course you would do that. And all of a sudden, he took all the things that I had heaped up on myself and imagined as perversions. He instead took it and like saw through everything to the core of what was compelling it, named it, and then told me he understood. 20 plus years of guilt and shame instantly lifted off of me. Now, I mean, I still wrestle with and feel shame and guilt and struggle, right? Oh, but, sure. But this idea that he was able to look at my life and go, it makes sense. I understood why you ended up going down that route. And it makes sense that you did. All of a sudden changed everything. And I think about this on the day to come when God sets all things right, I imagine that same exact experience that God is going to look at my life and the things that I'm so embarrassed about, the things I'm so ashamed about, the things I feel so guilty about, God is going to be able to reach through my life and point to moments that were that I experienced pain or I experienced conflict or heartache or something, distress. And that built upon, built upon, built upon like a phyla dough of, you know, baklava, right? <laughs> that it's just built up over time and eventually uh, surfaces as this other thing. And God will say, Don, I understand why you get angry and you lose your temper in these moments. It makes sense because you experience these pains, right? And I think about that and I think that's what it's going to be like when God says things right that God is going to look at all the areas of my life that I have failed to be holy as God is holy. And God is going to help me navigate through all of that to see at the very core of who I am, how I ended up there and release me, unanchor me, unmoor me from those things to allow the guilt and shame to flow away and for me to actually heal and be able to turn away from those things. 
right? Like when I think about that, I think, wow, that's that's deeply powerful. So what are your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> cool. <laughs> I like that. I mean, I, I think that, that that sounds like it's something more in character with the way that I have experienced God. Or when I, throughout studying the text, that those are characteristics that seem more godlike than what traditional evangelical teachings have offered me. Right. Yeah. So now when I think about this, that's that's on a very individual basis, right? So God will set all things right within my being. And I think that's really what counselors do. I think that's what friends do. Yeah. I think that's what spouses do, significant others children family members that are willing to sit listen cry with us wrestle with us fight with us whatever it might be they're able to in some microcosm help us to experience the what god will someday do as i imagine where god sets all things right um and i don't know how many conversations you've had with friends or family or whatever that releases a weight from you um, that you just needed someone to be able to reach into those right corners of your life and point out and give you understanding to why you feel that way. Hey everyone, it's George. Just want to uh, give a quick announcement for our winner of the giveaway for our Patreon um, uh, book exclusive uh, for Moral Leadership for a Divided Age, 14 People Who Dare to Change the World. And it is our friend, Tyler. So we'll be sending that out this week. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, we'll, uh, we're figuring out what we're going to do for our next one right now. Uh, so if you're interested in winning, go, all you need to do is go over to Patreon and sign up. Uh, and you will automatically get entered into a drawing, which is very exciting. Because it's cool to get stuff. It's cool to be a part of a community. And we always appreciate your support, whether you're a patron or not. Um, your feedback is always essential to us. So head on over to... Uh, either Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon at Evander Bros and tell us how we're doing. All right, and now back to Don. So I don't know if you've experienced that or not, George. I have. Uh, when you were talking about that, something that comes to mind was when a mutual friend of ours and former coworker, Sharon, um, came out to visit my wife and I when we were still living in Grand Rapids. And it was, uh, we went out to dinner. I hadn't seen her since uh, I left New Harvest. And her her purpose of coming out there was not meeting with people from the denomination that we were formerly a part of. Mm-hmm. But also to apologize how the, the church reacted to one of my teachings. Mm. And it was one of those things where you know, Christianity should always be this. The church should always do this. Mm. But you never hear stories of experiencing it. Right. And when that happened, it was like, I started crying. Like, it was that same thing. Like, the the validation that I had been looking for, and I had a hard time moving past that for years. Mm. Um, yeah. Yes, I have experienced that. So... I'm, I'm one. I'm glad to hear that you've you've gotten to experience that, particularly in that situation too. Um, how do you imagine we think about this corporately? So you know we've talked about this individually, but how do you imagine we would engage this in terms of a more corporate understanding of setting all things right? Um, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I. So just going from the hip, um, I think about uh, groups of individuals that we've, and we as the the Western Church have ignored or condemned and saying, hey, uh, we were wrong, (laughs) and welcoming in with open arms if that's allowed. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? So, I, I mean, I think that, for one, Israel loved this idea, right? As a people who constantly were oppressed and a people that were constantly marginalized. The idea that Rome would get its just desserts, right? <laughs> uh, that 
God setting all things right would in some way turn the power structures of the world over. And I think about like the Beatitudes, right? Where the Beatitudes kind of have this almost promise that those who are have suffered will inherit the world type thing. And so this idea of God setting things right globally would impact ecology, would impact um, governments, and would impact uh, nations and leaders, and it would just go on and on. And not, and I think too often when we think of the day of judgment as a moment in time to judge all time, I think there's truth to that. But I don't know how much we really think about the idea that in that moment, God is going to set everything right, right now, right? That the process for everything being set right is going to begin at that moment. And I think too often we imagine it being like, it'll be concluded in that moment too, right? But when I think about the the counselor who, uh, you know, talked to me Though the process began on that day, I'm still working through it. I'm still figuring out how to forgive myself. I'm still figuring out how to, uh, in moments where I am struggling with not feeling cared about or loved in my own depression, that those are the moments I'm the most susceptible to turn back to pornography, right? Because I'm craving intimacy of some kind, and so I turn back to the pseudo-intimacy. and. So though there is something very positive uh, about that experience, it's not done on that day. So, so I'm going to put throw this back to you on like, what do you imagine on that day? Is everything fixed and boom, we go? Or like, and, you know, maybe this is just not something you've considered. Because I know people are like, oh, when I get to heaven, I hope I'm in my 30-year-old body. And, uh, you know, like we imagine in some way that we will be placed into a status that uh, is perfection. Yeah. And we'll have all knowledge and like we'll understand everything. We'll know everything. We will be perfect. Um, yeah. Um I guess I've always thought of it as everything will be perfected on on that day. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I haven't really done that much thinking about this. Uh, so yeah, I just usually default to what I what I originally heard or um, was taught or whichever book I had read that kind of led to like there there will be this time of judgment there will be uh, once once all humans have been judged uh, there will be the recreation the, the new heaven and earth okay and then all things will be set perfect mm. because sin cannot live in the presence of God okay so to be clear here are you being facetious on that last statement? Are you saying that's what you believe on no, that last statement? No, I mean, I, I guess I'm being, uh, I guess I'm being a little facetious, but like that's that's what I had always heard. That's what I had always kind of gathered from from uh, when I was attending Bible studies as a as a new Christian, and I haven't done that much legwork since then. Well, so I don't know if I still hold to that, but for the purpose of your question, mm-hmm. that's kind of. My, that's my only response. So do you have, like, are you willing to, off the cuff, say your thoughts now? Yeah. Um, I think that God was always building us towards something. There was always going to be growth. Mm-hmm. We started in a garden. Mm-hmm. We end in a city. Okay. Um, I feel like you're going to go Rob Bell on me in a minute. Probably. Say it was between two trees. <laughs> oh, man. Funny. I've never actually heard or read that teaching, but I've heard a lot of people talk about it. No. Um, but, uh, it, 
the the idea of there being growth so if if things are to be set right i now like going off of the idea that that you were just talking about um i stand before god in this scenario of judgment god reaches through me and say i understand why you felt this way Mm -hmm. i'm given new insight into this um I would like to think that this is something that I would still struggle to learn and to work towards. Why? Because I don't like the idea of God automatically controlling me. Why do you perceive that as God controlling you? Of, of like, snapping a finger like Thanos and saying, this is how everything is now? So if you had a disease and you got cured from that disease... Uh Uh-huh you would not want the doctor to cure you of the disease. I've got a feeling that this is going to lead in the same conversation that we had last night about (laughs) favorite. Um, Sure, of course I would want that. So what's different about God snapping God's finger and curing whatever uh, less than part of you? Well, if there's... Then there would be no struggle. Then I I guess I would perceive no struggle in, in that. Because if I'm cured of this, then what struggle would there be? So why do you want to struggle? I don't know. To still feel human, I guess. I'm, I'm terrified of not feeling that. Okay. So you think perfection would strip you of your humanity? Yeah, probably. I agree 100%. I love that you felt like I was leading you down a road and was going <laughs> to... Well, I mean... So I'm with you I because... In the garden, we're not perfect. We're very good. We're not perfect. doesn't say we're perfect. We're always meant to leave the garden. We're always meant to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. It's not until something unexpected in God's idea of humanity gets gets snapped off. Right? We eat from the tree. We can no longer be in the garden. And this in some way begins to derail the picture that God had imagined of the world. I'd say it even gets derailed before then. Right, which is something we don't talk about. Like the the world gets fucked up. The the mission, the concept gets messed up uh, earlier in this whole thing when Adam is lonely. Like God yeah. couldn't see that coming. Right? Yeah. So Adam being lonely, it says like the very first thing that's not good in the Bible is not uh, sin. It's it's humanity being lonely. So so then we end up, right? So we have this picture of the garden. We have this idea of um, us being uh, called to something more. And then we have the idea of God setting all things right. I don't think that Jesus didn't get perfected after he was resurrected. Still had the wounds, right? One of the cheesiest things I ever heard that I also think is profound is someone said, what is the only man-made thing in heaven? And it's the wounds of Jesus, which I, I, it's super cheesy, but also I was like, huh, that's an interesting thing. I would argue that, you know, if there's humans in heaven, they're also man-made, but you know, that's not split hairs. Uh, But anyhow, this idea that Jesus wasn't perfected after the resurrection, Um, he still carried with him his humanity. He still carried with him his desire to eat, right? Uh, he still carried with him uh, the wounds that he experienced. Now I'm curious, like, I think a lot of Christians imagine Jesus still has those wounds. <laughs> like, so he stopped healing or something? I don't know. Anyhow. Uh, but this picture of our humanity goes on. If I were stripped of my struggle, as you, and so I'm just going to use your word, um, with struggle, I, I would lose my humanity. Part of what makes me Don is... The struggle I've had with pornography is the struggle I've had with dealing with abuse in my life is the struggle I've had with um, all uh, a plethora of things both self-imposed and imposed by someone else but that all has shaped me into who I am today I would not be the person sitting here today if I did not go through those things does that mean that I'm glad I went through those things of course not yeah Um, But I also don't know that I would trade any of those things because I love who I am today. I love who I've become. 
I imagine that when I stand before God someday and God reaches in to my being in some way and helps me to come to even clearer understandings of some of my misgivings, my misbehaviors, my my falling short to use a biblical concept, right? That that will even that will actually enhance my humanity as I continue to wrestle with it, right? Um, there's a portion of Judaism that believes that uh, heaven will be spending eternity debating Torah with God. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, I don't even care if I'm in the nosebleed sections. I want in on that. Right. Oh, like, yeah. I don't care if I'm like 500,000 rows back with a pair of binoculars. I want in on that action. Um, so this this picture of we continue to go on, we continue to be human. And how can we what is more human than error right to err is human right um i think that's the quote right yeah sure um but like what more is there to being human than mistakes and overcoming and responding so for me i love this one verse in revelation right uh and this is john it's in revelation 22 the last chapter of the the christian bible it says then he showed me a river of the water of life clear as crystal coming from the the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. Sorry, that was a bad reading of that first verse. On either side of the river was the tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves, this is the part, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And that active idea, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Not, uh, the nations have been healed and we're done. But that there's going to be healing that needs to happen. And that's gonna be an ongoing process. And that it's not just a snap of the fingers, everything is done. But that in some magnificent, amazing, mystical, beautiful way, we are together going to experience healing uh, from the very things that flow out from God. Now, I would argue we should already be doing that. Oh, for sure. Right? Like, that is part of the picture that the text gives is that we should be trying to usher in this day, this this day of judgment, this day that God makes all things right. We should be attempting to usher that in by already actively doing that in the lives of the people around us, like my counselor did for me. Right? Yeah. Um, we should be actively doing that for each other. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, that is that would be the kingdom of heaven at hand. Yeah, I, I mean, and when we don't, that's hell, right? Uh, that we allow the the mistakes, we allow the the missteps, the misdeeds to become what defines us, and this is where I feel like what God is telling us all throughout the text is redemption defines you. Restoration defines you. Uh, being, being healed defines you. Um, the struggle, as you said, uh, to be bent towards God is what defines you. Not the things that steal away uh, godliness. That doesn't define you. Uh, it's the things that you are bent towards. It's the things that you're striving for that define you. And to me, that's that's beautiful. That's rich. That's that's what I want to be a part of. I don't want to be a part of something where, and you know, if you're a member of Patreon, we just did a recording about evangelism in a paper that George is doing. Uh, so I recommend go listen to that. But um, you know this. A lot of the more conservative an individual tends to be in their understanding of scripture and theology, the more likely that they are to allow sin to define who you are instead of the redemptive part. And that breaks my heart. I know so many people walking around with so much guilt and shame and anxiety about how they have disappointed God or God it might be angry with them or how anything that they've experienced that's negative is in some way repercussions. And that is such a shame because 
that isn't what we see in the text. We see in the text that God will go to any length in order to restore us. Um, so for us to be defined by our mistakes is a mistake. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, but yeah, it, it's the it's the sad struggle because I mean that's just an area where religion is used as morality control. Well, it's not even morality control. It's just uh, control. Yeah. Because, I, you know, we have a president that lacks morality and our religion has allowed him to become the face of our country through the election process that said we're not concerned about his morality. So it's not even morality. Yeah. It's, it's something way less important than that. Yeah. Um... I, yeah, I think that this is a good place to wrap up. Disagree. Okay, go on. I, I think that uh, what I'd like to ask you, and I'd be happy to answer as well, is um, how do you imagine if you were to embrace this idea, right? If you were to embody this and you were to like grab hold of it and, and go with this thinking, how do you imagine that would impact your day-to-day life? Like what changes do you imagine you would see about yourself, your relationships? Um, I don't know. I, I, I would like to imagine that I would be more um, accepting, uh, patient, um, willing to give more people the benefit of the doubt mm. I, yeah but I, 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 I mean this is such a <laughs> it's crazy to, to say that this is such a radical notion of change and it is but it's also one that's you know like I said earlier more in tune with the character of God that the text portrays right yeah what about you so I think for me, the, the number one thing that I've seen change in my life is that I usually take a breath before I respond to someone's uh, poor behavior, particularly. Uh, like if someone attacks me on social media, which has been known to happen once or twice, um, that before I shoot off a, a response... I pause and I, I think about what is it that they have experienced that makes them so afraid of this idea? Or what is it that they've experienced or they've gone through that may, uh, may create anxiety about this? Um, and that, that helps settle me down. I find that uh, I'm not anti-conflict i'm i'm happy with conflict i don't mind it at all i yeah. don't you know some people are like oh, i don't like conflict i i have no problem with conflict i think it's good and healthy um but i'm finding that the more that i embrace this idea of setting things right i i think about that in every interaction i have with people that that's a stretch obviously i don't think about it in every sure. interaction but it, it definitely is a lens by which my life has been transformed, right? That I'm way more likely to, to listen to a person, to hear a person's battles, to hear a person's struggles. Um, I think it's why I've had so many experiences over the years where people have said, you know, I feel like I can talk to you because you're not going to judge me, right? Um, and, you know, people feel comfortable sharing some pretty heavy things with me. And I think part of that is because of my experience with that counselor that I said to me was so godly in the way that the counselor responded to me that that, that has been transformational to me. Um, so the way that I engage people, that my first reaction, I pause, the, the ability or the desire to you said give someone the benefit of the doubt. Um, but I also think where else it's affected me is when I think about setting all things right with the nations, it makes me reflect and ponder. I, I can't get out of the fact that I'm part 
of a nation. And whether I critique the nation or not, I am fully a part of America yeah. and the United States. Oh, yeah. And what does it look like for me as an American, as a representative of this nation, to begin the process of setting things right? And how do I do that? And how do I do that well and meaningful and do it in a way that hopefully inspires other people to come along with me? Yeah. I, I mean, I, that's something that... <clears throat> yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> that's something that I think a lot of people have struggled with. And you know kind of give up on it and say it's just too big too big of an idea right i think i think that's i think philosophically i understand that <laughs> however i also think people now have not even tried and so it's it's that whole thing that uh if you had a drop of water to the ocean you've raised the, the level right yeah. It might not be perceptible, but you have raised the level of the water. And I think that's important for us. If each of us are adding a drop, uh, eventually there will be something visibly markedly different. Uh, what is it? The uh, Rabbi Tarfon or Tarfon who says, uh, though the needs and the suffering of the world is daunting, that doesn't give you permission not to begin fighting against it. So that to me is is a, a significant picture. Great. Uh, I've been your co-host George. I've been your other co-host Don. Have a great week, everyone. See ya.